So welcome back to A Place to Thrive. I'm Jo Hall. And I'm Jo Hooper. And we've got an amazing guest, another amazing guest for you today. Uh, we are going to be interviewing Jennifer Thomas, who is Head of Internal Communications, Experience and Sustainability. Wow, that's a mouthful. So I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with her. So over to Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you very much for coming along today. Well, we've come to you actually, haven't Even we? Better. No <laughs> Even one better. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself to sure. our wonderful listeners and just give a bit of background of who you are? That'd be amazing. Thanks, Jo. Um, yeah, so as you've already been told, I am Jennifer <laughs> Thomas, which always feels like you're introducing yourself in the third person. A little bit about me. Um, we were talking earlier, so I, I always think it's really good to start with my, my cultural background. So I am British-born, but, you know, brace yourself for a very odd accent. I moved to Canada when I was seven, so I grew up in Toronto. Then I went to university in California, uh, and then I found my way back to my birth roots of Great Britain. So I've um, been back in London. Back <laughs> Literally, almost like where I picked off, I uh, left off actually um, in, in South London, where I was born and now where I live. Wow, um, circle so of life. Circle of life. Um, so my parents are West Indian background, Caribbean background uh, from Guyana and a little bit of trivia. That's in South America, the only mm-hmm. English speaking country in South America. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's my family background. I am a mum and a wife. And then I suppose, you know, what do I do when I'm not, you know, being mum and wife? Uh, so my day job of. Currently, I head up our internal communications function, um, and I also look after CSR. Mm. Um, and my job title's super long, so I'm not going to bore you with it, but that's effectively <laughs> what it means. Um, and I like to describe myself, sometimes I say I'm, I'm, I'm all things communications. Uh, and why do I say that? Because the thing that really, really excites me, whether it's work life or personal life, is telling a story and, and having people... Mm connect to that story and obviously in in business you need people to do that in a variety of ways but effectively that's what I'm trying to do so whether that's our employees whether that's business media whether it's consumer media whether it's customers whether it's clients whether it's my best mate whether it's my children you know it's that whole process of getting someone to really understand where you're coming from, so much so that they want to go there with you. Wow, nice. Oh, now there's a sound bite. (laughs) (laughs) So um, DLG's rocketed. Mm. into the Sunday Times best companies to work for list mm. I mean that's amazing isn't it I mean we won't talk about your rival at number one we're not going to talk, we're not about, talk about them you know <laughs> we're, we're here to talk to them. you so yeah. you you came in at number three this year yeah, which is amazing first and um, first year entering that's just really incredible. yeah yeah so the first, first year you entered and you got for, to number three wow got to number three so what is it about DLG you know yeah. that got you into number three and you know that first entry what, yeah um I think to, to sort of understand how we got there Um, I think it's worth just spending a couple minutes on where we've come from Absolutely, Um, and not everyone will be really okay with our with our history so hopefully most people know us for the red telephone Harvey Keitel ads fix it (laughs) ads our lovely Churchill um, the new ads that have just launched um, green flag you know previously it was the ants some of them might remember the green ants we're not the green ants anymore but um, green flag coming out to uh, rescue when you're broken down on the side of the road um privilege 
Yes. Also yes, one of our yes. brands, um, former Joanna Lumley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, cool. That's no, normally when people can God love Joanna regular. Lumley. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how most people know us, but actually our um, background sort of internally. So we were part of RBS, the bank, and we used to kind of refer to ourselves as sort of like the distant relative in the bank because we're not bankers, right? Mm. So we were, this, we were the insurance division, which doesn't sound very <laughs> sexy at all. And we were, you know, part of a really big establishment here in Bromley. We've, you know, always been in Bromley, kind of doing our thing, serving customers. And we were really proud for being known for our brands. Yeah. Um, and they are big super brands out there. Mm. You know, we, we compete with quite a lot of uh, consumer brands, not just insurance brands. So that's always been our, our pride and joy. But when we separated or, you know, RBS sold us. Yeah. Conscious um, uncoupling. Conscious uncoupling. Yes. It was very conscious. <laughs> and we IPO'd and floated on the stock exchange. And that moment, because I've been here for sort of RBS days and post-RBS, was really monumental for us as a business. And it was the first opportunity we had to reshape our culture. Mm. Wow, what an so opportunity. Yeah. It is. And it's a really strange moment of almost feeling like a completely new organization but we had, by that point, a good 20, 25-year history. Yeah, that's, right? that's quite unusual, isn't it? So it's how you bring the most amazing bits of your history, bring them forward yeah. to the now, make them relevant for mm. the future, and bring your people with you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we had this real desire to think about, you know, for the first time in many, many years, you know, what do we want to stand by? What do we want our value system to be? Mm -hmm. How do we want to operate? Um, how do we want to come together as an organization? And actually mm -hmm. a lot of our focus, rightly so, has been how we come together out there in the market, yeah. right? Yes. For our customers. Yes. And you don't want to lose sight of that, but there's a big piece to do with your people. So I would say we've been on that journey since IPO, right through to now, and it's a continual thing. I don't think you ever stop evolving your culture Agreed, um, because yeah. everything around you is constantly changing mm -hmm. and evolving. But that feels like that was the real marker of change for us culturally mm. our values as they stand today are you know were built and developed and designed and created by our people you know i think every company talks about values but i think the one thing and i know our ceo our new ceo will back this up you feel our values so mm. they're not i mean they are plastered on the walls but they're not <laughs> just something on a wall yeah. they're not something on a powerpoint slide they're mm. not just a strap line that we just chuck out every now and then you really feel it and you know we're sitting here in Bromley which is our head office but you know we've got offices all across the UK and no matter where you go mm. you feel it so can you give us an example so of that what that feels, yeah, like. that feels like so yeah. one of our values is bring all yourself to work again on the face of it relatively generic words but what does that really mean here so we took some really conscious steps to bring that to life first thing dress code wear what you like within reason. Why? That might seem like something a bit trivial or actually a bit, gosh, it's 2019, of course you should be able to wear what you like. But in a lot of businesses, mm. you can't, right? no, whether you're uniformed, yeah, yeah, whether right. it's business attire. And actually that was a monumental first step to starting to uncover bring all yourself to work. It's really interesting because that first, that as a first step, as you say, sounds on the face of it relatively innocuous, but mm. actually what it's doing is giving people permission to flex the rules in inverted commas to, yeah. to be themselves be in a very kind of outward, clear personal way it's kind of the obvious thing really when you think about it isn't it it's something really easy it's really easy and yeah. really simple and i'll tell you it was i mean for a long time it was the most popular campaign story that we did in terms mm. of comments and yeah. people like talking about it and the buzz because at, at that point it was like okay 
what do you mean? Because remember, we've just come out of a banking yeah, institution, yes. a real city, yes. in, even though we're not based in the city, but a city institution. So that was weird. And it's, and you're right, it is about giving permission, but it's also, I think, maybe to a certain degree subconsciously, gets you to reflect on, well, how do I want to turn up to work? Mm. Mm. Discuss mm. how I want to turn up as Jennifer Thomas might be really different, how Joe wants to turn up or Ben or John or Angela. And actually, why should I necessarily be defined mm. by a set of rules around my clothing? Yeah. So that's just a little example. We've come from dress code all the way through to where we're now really thinking about how do we not just embrace who we are as individuals, but talk about it, mm-hmm. celebrate it, ask questions about it. To the world out there, that comes under the lovely badge of diversity and inclusion. Mm. As we sit here today, it fits under a banner. What I'm really proud of is that's integrated within our culture. And it's been a journey. Mm. We're not perfect by any means. But I remember when that was quite cemented in our culture before people were throwing around the terms Mm. diversity and inclusion. So most people didn't really recognize what it was. But it was the beginning of us saying, I really want you to bring your entire self through those office doors. Do not leave half of yourself Mm. outside, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we've all come into contact with organizations, businesses, establishments, where despite what's plastered on the wall, when you walk in there as a guest, as a client, as a supplier, as an employee, it doesn't feel like what's reflected yeah, on the Yeah, there's a disconnect. There's a real disconnect. Yeah. And it was really important to us that there was no disconnect. Mm. You have this, you know, sort of preconceived idea yeah. that, you know, Call centres have this script. I mean, yeah. and sometimes, you know, when you, you phone up whoever it is, it is. You, know, yeah, yeah. you can definitely hear... You can hear them turning the pages so of the script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hang on a minute, can you not have a conversation? Now, you've done quite a lot around that. We, we have. That? We, we got rid of the scripts. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say as a disclaimer, that does not mean we are not following all our financial regulations. <laughs> yeah. But that is a real fear uh-huh. for financial mm-hmm. institutions. Yeah. We are bound by quite a lot of regulation because the regulators are there to you know make sure we protect customers' interests, right? Mm-hmm. So you never want to let go of that. But to your point, people just want to have a real conversation. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if I'm calling you because I need to change my address and you recognize that I'm in a rush. In fact, I've told you, thanks, I'm so glad I got through to you. I've just got five minutes. Really quickly, I want to change my address. I don't want to listen to you for five minutes to try and (laughs) sell me about six things Mm -hmm. or ask me about A, B, and C. I just want to change my address really quickly, really efficiently. I want you to help me so I go. One example. So we spent quite a considerable amount of time training our people who are speaking to customers every day about using different flex styles and also not just moving away from the scripts, but also sometimes being more conscious about what that customer needs, not just what you have to tell them. Mm. Yes. Which is hard. But it's that human connection. It's a human it? connection, no, it's, right? It's, it's not just being robotic about your job, it's being human it's about it. It's listening, it's picking up on cues. Mm. And, you know, it's not, again, in conversation isn't a perfect science, is it? But we've developed a program that we call Connect, which, you know, beautiful word for it, um, <laughs> which sort of takes you through identifying first your own sort of archetype mm. um, and then trying to understand the archetypes of customers and then flexing your style. So the kind of questions you ask, how you ask those mm. questions, what information you give, how you move through that call mm-hmm. that still makes sure we're ticking all the boxes we need to tick, but that that customer leaves 
with their needs fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. you say it out loud, and God, it just sounds so it's obvious, obvious and it? so simple. Yeah. But it's been a real, well, it was at the time that we did it now. It's just sort of like, oh, we do this all the time. But it was a real step change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds yeah. kind of like quite revolutionary for a customer service operation and particularly in a regulated market I wonder where did that come from the idea to throw the script out the window and how did it go down with people through the process yeah because I'm interested whether people felt empowered or absolutely terrified I think the honest answer would be a bit of both yeah Mm. um so what does scripting give you it gives you comfort Mm -hmm. um we're a highly regulated business uh we are audited those calls are audited Mm. You go through a you know quality assessment process, so you know there are some real tangible rules around mm-hmm. what we mm-hmm. do. So to remove the structure can feel quite unnerving, mm. and it can feel like oh god, what if I get it wrong, and what if this? And so I think the key was support. The key was um, especially when we first started to roll it out test and learn feedback mm-hmm. um, which in itself is quite um, an approach that not all businesses yeah. are content to take it's an iterative off. process exactly. that you fine tune as you go yeah. along and I think you know the idea around it was because we were listening to what customers had to say right so you look at where your complaints are coming from you know, no, like I sit here and, and I always say my job in one sense is easy, but in another sense quite hard. So easy because I get to kind of get inside of the business without actually having to do the business, which is the hard <laughs> bit. But equally, that's difficult because I don't do. Yeah, I'm not yes. an underwriter. I don't speak to customers. I don't develop products. I don't do great marketing ads. I just have to tell the story. Mm, you make it sound so easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did that. I was all done by yeah. 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, but the great thing about sort of not being in it and observing it. So I always, so, you know, from day one, I think it's really important as a communicator, no matter what line of business you're in, that you have to feel the pulse of that business to be able to tell that story. So for me, it's really important that I get out there into the business. Mm. I listen to some of those calls. Yes. At the end of the day, we're all customers of someone or something, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we know what our personal mm. experience is. But when you do some call listening, when you speak to our people who know exactly what's going on yeah. out there, they know our customer pain points, mm. but they felt constrained to be able to address those. Mm. So what was really powerful is as an organization, we, we lift off some of those constraints we're listening to you, our people, we're listening to you, our customers, and we're trying to address it. And yeah, again, yeah. not a perfect science. I mean, that's so empowering, though, you know? It is. As an employee yeah. coming into an organisation, you know, and having your voice listened to, mm. your voice actively sought, like, you know, Joe said earlier, not all companies do that. And there's, there's such huge power in that. I, I think so. And, and I think, going back to other Joe's comments <laughs> about, you know, how did people feel? So I do think there was a general, like, ah! What do I say? What do I do? Um, and, you know, everything's all good in training, a training environment <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you yeah. kind of come in out the of that in the real world. But I think, again, going back to a good communicator, when you get that bounce off a customer mm. and you know you, you've hit the sweet spot, you've really helped, you can feel that mm. in a call or, you know, in the, the feedback that we get, the formal feedback that we get. That's what shows it's mm. worth it and it's yeah. working, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think... That energy has grown from, oh, I'm a bit scared to, okay, this is working. Mm, okay. We can do this. 
actually customers are loving it oh okay this is feeding right through to my formal feedback mm. and back to all our rules and how we're regulated how we're rewarded all of that. it's all wrapped up mm. right so you know a big part of the reward that those people get is based on customer feedback yeah. right mm. so when you can see the virtual circle of it all coming together mm. immensely powerful We've spoken to um, organisations, small organisations, about how they build their culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Joe and I kind of reflected on was that some of those things can be harder in a big organisation, mm. especially an organisation like yours, which has a lot of sub-brands. Yeah. And I'm really interested in how you kind of approach developing the culture of the organisation across all those sub-brands mm. and whether there's kind of one overarching mm. culture and whether that was difficult to get to because you're in different mm. buckets with different values. Yep. I'm fascinated in how that kind of came together. When we were part of RBS, we... So like I said, we were like the distant relative in the group, the big group. And then within the insurance division, so we used to be called RBS Insurance, where your passion and pride came from was the brands. Mm. And we've been through various iterations of being aligned by brand, mm. being structured mm. by product. But a lot of people used to get their energy for the brand that they either solely worked on or mainly worked on. Mm. So that becomes a bit harder for functions like mine, which yeah. are quote unquote essential functions and yeah. we service everyone. Yeah. And one of the first things that we realized coming out of RBS was that you didn't have that holistic group energy mm. because we didn't have a group brand. Our mm. group brand was RBS. We had to design it. Yeah. Like, what is it? I mean, yeah. there, it, it, there's a real reason we're called Direct Line Group, and that's because Direct Line, the brand, is still sort of our power brand. Right. And we had lots of debates about, is it that? Do we call it something completely different? Mm. What resonates with customers as well as with our people? But having Direct Line Group, we had to shift some of those people who might have been all about Churchill or yeah. all about Green Flag or all about privilege to say, it's not that you can't be that, but there's something that sits above that now. Mm. And actually, what's the group story? Mm. And you add in, we are, you know, a public company, right? So there's a whole investor shareholder story. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we don't just mean something to our customers, but we also mean something to our shareholders. And why would they want to invest in us? Mm. And, you know, how does that fit into who we are as a business and our culture? So it was a quite a steep learning curve, actually, yeah. for us as an organization. And like I said, also, because we're established. Mm. It's a lot easier to do that from day zero, exactly. right? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, like, you know, privilege sit on the third floor. Yeah, and they're yeah. all about, you They're know, all about priv. And, yeah. <laughs> and you do, you have to kind of pull people out of those silos. Because yeah. it is a form of a silo. Yes. And say that, okay... Let me tell you why privilege is so important to the group. Mm. Let me tell you as a group what we're trying to achieve Mm. for our customers. Let me tell you as a group how we're making money for our shareholders. Let me tell you as a group how we're making sure that, you know, we are having an impact in society and that Mm. we operate. You know, some of those things that just as being part of another big group, they just got on and did. We were now responsible for telling Mm. that story. And that's been a work in progress. That's definitely been a work in progress. And I realize I never quite really answered your question about how we ended up third in in best companies, but it all comes together. But it shows that this has been a long journey. Mm. So we could have entered. Actually, we had lots of conversations about entering, entering, um, best companies years ago mm. and we made a really conscious decision not to mm-hmm. because we were right smack in the middle of a developing a culture yeah. and actually we're, we're not just looking for an accolade mm. 
our whole reason for doing go entering best companies was to understand what our people were feeling post all of that work mm. and then to get a sense of well how does that benchmark against others mm. and that's what's so yeah. great about best yeah. companies and yeah. the data is so yeah. rich yeah. Yeah. I mean a lot of people don't yeah. see any of that or no. don't understand that but it's it's not just about entering an award and you kind of win a prize no, there's lots of layers to there's it, so it? many yeah. layers and it tells you something about mm-hmm. your organization mm-hmm. and if used properly you can use it to evolve even yes. further so yeah. I like the benchmarking of it as well benchmark because it, it's you know we could be sitting here in our lovely bubble thinking yeah, we're yeah, just yeah, we're marvelous or sometimes actually almost the opposite for us we tend to be really hard on ourselves mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. We're, we almost tell ourselves oh we're not so great at that and actually I'm so were so you were actually you know as a leadership team surprised by the yeah. results so when we sat there and um <laughs> so obviously you know you're top 25 because you get invited to the banquet dinner yeah. so that's your first okay. sign of okay we're at least top 25 that's, that's amazing great. that's like 25 <laughs> up 100 top quarter yeah, yeah. yeah happy days really really happy so we're sitting at the table and, and <laughs> They only, at the event, they only reel through the top 10. So they announced the top 10. And we were just kind of happy to be participants. We we're like, here, it's a great night. Yay to everyone else. And they start going the top 10. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I wonder if, wonder if, wonder if we're in the top 10. And if we are, it's probably like 10 or like nine. <laughs> what are you like? Oh my gosh. And so they're going through. And, and then they start at 10. They start at yeah. 10. Oh, so here. Um, like, it's a real no, drum roll moment. And, you know, it really is. And, you know, Please people come up and they yeah, get their awards yeah. and they, you know. Have so, the photo. Yeah, all of that. So we're kind of sitting and it was like 10, no, nine, no, eight, no. We're like, top 25 is great. <laughs> Top 25, we'll take it. Real proud, guys. Well done, everyone. Top 25. Literally. And then we were like, okay, well, you know, we'll cheer everyone else on. And I swear, when they they put us at third, it was a moment of we're all looking at each other like, did they they just say direct line group? Is that what you heard? And it 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 was amazing. It was amazing. And I think it was a big shock, an immense sense of pride for everyone. Um, and I think, you know, back to that reassurance for us that actually maybe, I don't know, we're not, we're not as far behind as we think. And whilst we've been in our, you know, we call it our post IPO bubble, um, after we floated on the stock exchange, trying to work out our own culture and what that means Mm. and what that is, actually we're doing okay. And again, not to be complacent about it at all, because, um, I think it's, Similar to reputation, it could take you ages to build it, but you can destroy yeah, it in nice a second, second, right? right. Yeah. So we're never complacent about that. But it was, yeah, a really good sense of pride. And I think also, you know, whilst we only have done Best Companies once and it was our first time, we have been doing constant engagement surveys mm. ever since, which we pay a lot of inten- um, attention to mm. and really use that as a tool for our leaders again to work with their team so what isn't working as well as it could be mm. and a real sense of we all have skin in the game to make mm. this a great organization so mm. we never quite delegate that out 100 percent to yeah. someone else we all yeah. have a role to play in that so you you bring up you know the topic of leaders and obviously mm. they have a huge impact and influence over organizational mm. culture so, you know, what are the key things that your leaders do to really enhance the great culture that you have here at DMG? I think it goes back to our values. You, you can't separate how your leaders behave with how you're asking 
the rest of the organization to behave and operate. They, they have to be synonymous with each other. And and that has to be authentic as well. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know another buzz term, authentic leadership. Yeah. But I'm a real believer. It, it does have to be authentic. <laughs> it kind too. of says what it does on the tin. Um, when I talk to our, you know, and I am a leader, but, you know, I'm talking sort of let's start with Exco and our executive team. When we're discussing that or when I'm discussing that with them, whether that's in the context of engagement or the data we have or anything or a campaign or something that's going on, I think the most dangerous thing you can do is try to define what authentic is. Because mm. the whole premise of authentic, back to bring all yourself to work, mm. is you have to figure out how to bring out the best version of you yeah. that people would connect with. And how I do that as Jennifer Thomas might be completely different as how you do it as Joe, yeah. right? And, um, and they're all valid okay. and it's yes. equally okay. So that's one half of the coin. And then the other half is understanding what your people in your teams need at mm. a team level as well as one-on-one individual. And that's hard because that goes right back to the flexing your style, right? So yeah. the same connection we're trying to make with our customers we want to make that connection with our people Mm -hmm. and i might have a really particular style a particular way of conveying information i might think i've got it sussed and then you know i can speak to someone in my team and they're like i just didn't get it Mm -hmm. didn't work for me Mm -hmm. right and so the onus is on me to figure out how to connect with that person yeah that person shouldn't have to change Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. and i think that (laughs) that at its heart it's like the kind of whole meaning of bring your authentic self to work like you as a leader are saying to your team be who you are Mm. and i will flex to help you and i think that's also kind of part of living that value of bringing yourself to work Mm. is that you don't have to kind of flex and bend to fit the organization you kind of you know if you have similar values to the organization then you naturally fit yeah I think you're right I think there'll be a natural alignment and Mm. I think back to this if your business organization can really live and breathe those values it makes it really easy Mm. for employees and potential employees to figure out whether they'll fit Mm. And they might not, and that's okay as well, right? Because we're all individuals. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it'd be great if that was just more obvious when you're job hunting, yeah. because mm, then you can yeah. self-select Absolutely. rather than going in somewhere and realizing. Trying it out for three or six months, and, and, and you're like, yeah. something's not connecting, and yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean you're wrong and they're right, or vice versa, or you're good and they're bad, or it's just that's the nature of life, mm. right? We don't. So, what would your advice be then to um, either hiring managers mm. or potential um, new recruits? In order to try and find those nuggets so that you know they get that synergy yeah. and, and and understand each other more quickly so that they know that they're a right fit for each other um i think you so, so the first thing is you you do have to have clarity about the kind of culture mm. we operate yeah. in and yes my team can and has come up with a string of words that go with that <laughs> but you as a leader a manager a hiring manager need to understand what that is mm. and to a certain degree, that is the corporate culture, even if maybe some of those things aren't 100% aligned mm. to you as an individual. So we're operating within an establishment, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. Mm-hmm. So again, if I'm a leader who was chosen to be here, by default, it should mean I'm aligned to how we want to operate. So I have a very good understanding of that. And therefore, when I'm then looking at other talent, either talent I want to move within the business or talent I want to bring into the business, I should be able to spot and tease that out. And that Mm. usually isn't from a string of really dry HR questions. Competency (laughs) frameworks. I always think 
you know, and it does depend on the role and the nature of your business, but technical competency is relatively easy yes. to draw out, right? Yes. Yeah. So whether yeah. you, you test for it, train yeah. for it, mm-hmm. easy, in my opinion. The hard bit is I want to get to know you and I probably only have like an hour to do mm, that yeah. or, you know, yeah. at best maybe two meetings mm. to do that. And so you have to think what's an effective way of doing that. And again, not a perfect science. I, I am not uh, an HR professional by trade. So apologies to all HR professionals who probably have this, <laughs> including our own here, who have this sussed. But I've just developed my own techniques. So again, we have a framework, like everyone has a framework for interviews. So um, what you're saying really is about trying to build a relationship. So relationship. Get rapport. Get in, rapport. You know, that in short that. time yeah. that you've got together during the interview. And process. also understanding, mm-hmm. again, back to this flexing. For some people, that's really easy to bring out in a final yeah, conversation. Yeah. For others, they yeah, find yeah, yeah. that difficult. So I'm always thinking about... And that doesn't mean that they're not one of your people. Exactly. So right. I'm always trying to figure out well, how I, how can I do that? And, you know, random things like, you know, once I get past all the comp- competency stuff, I'm really interested in what drives a person. Mm, yes. What do you really mm, care about? Mm. Likewise, I try and make it as open an environment as possible to tell me, what do you really hate? We all have elements of our jobs that we cannot stand, mm. right? Life. What really bugs you? What's the thing that when sometimes when you go to work, you just think, ugh, wish I didn't have to do that. Because that tells me something. <laughs> it does, and it's yeah, not it a right or a wrong, but it just tells me gives something. Gives you insight to that person. Insight. Yeah. What's the last film you saw? Oh, that's a good Discuss. question. Did you like it? Did you like yeah. it? What was great about it? Where did you last go on holiday? Yeah. And... and uh, it's quite funny because I've watched it in interviews because sometimes it really unnerves yeah, people because what you're I ready bet. for is the real technical yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. That's what you prep for. Yeah. And, and you ask someone, what, what, yeah. where did you last go and hold it? They're like, oh, I got around totally throw And I'm like, it's not a trick question. It, you know, and I have sometimes... I'm genuinely interested. And I have seen people, people I have hired and who are in my team literally transform in that moment mm. and then yeah. I'm like ah oh, there there you go there they are there's the golden yeah nugget. there's the yeah, person yeah, yeah. there's the person yeah and you know job tip for everyone out there you know and I try to remind myself of this as well because who actually really likes interviewing no one but when you're practicing for going for a role or an interview I would say you know spend your 10 minutes on okay what am I really capable at Think about how you can weave your technical capability into your personality. Mm, yeah. Very few people practice that. Yeah. Mm. That's a good tip. Yeah. Very few people practice that. What does that do for you? What does that do for, for the for the hiring employer? Well, for the hiring employer, it helps them suss out really quickly whether they think you'll be a fit. It mm. helps you suss out whether you think mm-hmm, you'll be a mm-hmm. fit and is this the right environment for you. But I think that's where you get to feel the pulse and the culture of an yeah. It's yeah. really hard to ask questions about yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think God. that's yeah. it. And yeah. you always feel when yeah. you go for interviews that you're trying to also test out that is the organisation. Like you say, you've got to feel it. You have I mean, to feel yeah. it. It's yeah. the whole yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah, we just spent two seconds outside and you get a bit of banter with the yeah. team out here. And yeah. That, that is what it's like. I don't yeah, know those people. Yeah. I, you know, I it know. is like what it feels to work yeah. in an organisation. It is. And, and and I think that is what you should be trying to capture, mm. capture an interview. And that is also how you keep your culture going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was reading an article the other day that was about Patagonia, you know, mm. the outdoor clothing company. And apparently there, they've got, allegedly, they've got a great culture. And their interviewing technique is to actually turn the CV upside down. So they don't ask the competency mm. and technical questions. They ask about, you know, the bit at the bottom. The which bit at the bottom about, is the best yeah, bit. Your interest. Your, your yeah. interest. You know, where do you volunteer? Why yeah. do you do that? You know, 
and that's the bit that they hone in on because that they say is really the golden nugget of the real person that's sat there. Yeah, in front yeah, of the them three bit points you squeeze in at the end. Yeah, and I love that. I, I love that. Well, we only have a short time left together and we want to finish with a very kind of practical advice focus mm. question. But before we do that question, mm. I just want to ask you, what is your kind of professional hobby horse? So I have two. <laughs> One is, uh, as you can imagine from my job, mental health in the workplace. And the other, which I've developed since I've started working for myself, is flexible working and actual true flexible working. Yes, no. But yeah. what is your kind of hobby horse? What gets your goat? What makes oh. you think... I want to get my hands on that and change yeah, it. I've got quite a few. Go on. Um, uh, so flexible working, tick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sit on the board of Working Families, which is an amazing charitable organisation that is constantly trying to mm-hmm. fight for and promote rights for employees in the workplace. So flexible working, thinking about gender equality, mm. because I am a very proud black woman, thinking about where does that fit in society. Mm. I've got two sons. How do they fit into our society? Mm. Um, So all of those things are really important. And you can roll them all up into diversity inclusion. And there's so many facets within that. So you just touched on my hobby horse. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I have a real issue with with diversity and inclusion. I try not to use the term. I hate it. Because diversity, to me, means that we're we're sparsely spread. Yeah. Rather than being united as a collective, as a community. Yeah. Yeah. I have an issue with the word. Yeah. I have an issue with DNI because of the box ticking. Mm. Yeah. And I don't like that. Because yeah. just because you might tick, you know, a box or a number of boxes it doesn't mean. mean to say that you mm. connect with the people in yeah. the same box. It feels like a kind of the antithesis of a human approach, doesn't it? It's <laughs> kind of like <laughs> for me it's more put a label on it. Yeah, yeah. Got a plan. Yeah, exactly. Tick yeah. Up. thank you, good yeah. night. I've got some real sympathy for what, what you said. Yeah. Um, Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> and which is why I didn't start with my hobby horses. <laughs> um, it, there's some real elements within that that might go under a diversity box or an inclusion yeah. box. But fundamentally, it's back to where I started. This is about how do I bring my whole self to work and I get mm. appreciated yeah. and valued. Mm. For so that. I think I think we yeah. should call it uniqueness and inclusion. I because then it's you and I. And wow, also that whole I. whole essence, the slight problem with the label of diversity, rightly or wrongly, is you then start going to what I call your traditional diversity yes. characteristics. Yes. 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 And diversity in 2019 going into 2020 is so much wider than Mm. that. And that is not to diminish some of the real issues and challenges we still have around some of those diversity groups, of which I'm part of two of them. Um, So it's, it's not to take away from that. But I think, actually, if you're thinking about how to get a real mix of people into your organization understand those people as individuals without any labels but just as individuals and then help to support that person through their career so mm. that you can get the best out mm. of them mm-hmm. whatever box they fall whatever into whatever box it's kind of irrelevant then actually mm. you probably would have hit your diversity and inclusion yeah. Yeah. right but the point i will make just to be a bit controversial because i like to be a bit controversial good good we like that <laughs> That all sounds lovely, but we also know to move the dial on a lot of these things, mm. you have to hit yeah. diversity yeah. hard first. Yes. 
yeah. before you even start getting to inclusion. Yeah, and it's a real that. balancing act. Yeah. Mm. And there's lots of debate about it's that. It's kind of a maturity to... scale of it all, isn't it? It, really? it is. It is. But, you know, if I give you an example of what we've done here... So we had a quite a, a powerful campaign around DNI last year, and I was like, I don't want to see DNI on anything. Mm. And our campaign's called "This Is Me." Nice. Oh, flipping Louia. This is me. It's nice. This is me. Yeah. The minute you say "This is me," you don't alienate. No. Anyone. No. And again, it's saying to people, "We care about you, you. who you are. you are, not you because you're, you're part of that group." Yeah. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's about who you are. We've got roughly around ten thousand-ish people in this organization. I want to talk to all of them. Mm. I want to talk to all of them about feeling included. I want to talk to all of them about what makes you unique. Mm. Why is that special? Mm. And it gives me goosebumps just talking about it because it was yeah. an amazing campaign. So we kind of started with this concept and uh, quite challenging to the team. And I was like, no, you know, we have to keep hitting on this uniqueness, tugging on our value, which mm. we know our people really believe in, bring mm. all yourself to work. And how do, how do we amalgamate all of that so that the men don't think I'm not talking to them, mm. so that... The people who aren't in a BAME group also know I'm talking to them. Mm. The people who are abled and disabled, I'm also talking to you. Mm -hmm. The people that have different sexual orientation, I'm also talking to you. Mm. And for some of you who you don't even know you're unique, let me help you find how unique you are. That's fab. I've never even thought about what makes you unique and special. Let's have a conversation about that so you don't feel excluded. We're talking to all of you. And also, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that that can have on people's mental health. Mm. We were talking um, in an episode previously about how you bring meaning to your work as Mm. an individual and how the organisation helps you bring meaning to your work. And... I think you, when you realise what your uniqueness is and what your particular value add is at work, mm. it's such a huge boost to your confidence and your sense of self-worth as a human being and as a professional mm. that focusing on people's uniqueness can have a huge impact on them as well as on the company. A hundred percent. And we know that because there's lots of data out there that mm. tells you that for the analytics out there. But we also really believe in that. And, and I think probably business as a wider establishment has been in denial about that in some mm. previous centuries and decades. Mm. And I think most organizations won't be able to operate effectively without acknowledging that in some capacity, mm. I think, um, which is great. And I think if, if that's your starting point, then I think you've got a much better chance of tackling some of those real diversity challenges, yeah. mm-hmm. those real inclusion challenges. But I think the bedrock, the foundation, has to be about celebrating people as individuals and then thinking about how we use all of that yeah. richness yeah. to operate as a collective, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit of both. And of course, people can do that on an individual basis, yeah. can't they? Yeah. You know, they can just be more curious. Just about more curious. Other, asking and, more questions. You and know, and then it, it, it breaks connection. down some of those cultural barriers, the awkwardness, allows, again, back to a little bit where we start this permission to, to talk mm-hmm. about yourself. Permission maybe to go, I don't, I don't, I didn't know, I didn't realise, I don't really understand it's a whole different kind of conversation yeah. in the workplace, which maybe you might have with your friends. Yeah. But you don't have those kind of no. conversations at work. And I think that's where you should have them. Yeah. And so do your leaders really sort of exemplify this yeah. and, and bring their full selves to work? So you actually Definitely. feel that coming from You do, you do. Well. And I think, I mean, hopefully not putting words in 10,000 people's mouths. <laughs> but I know because we get this anecdotally as well as through our data. But 
I think one of the big surprising thing, one of the big surprising things that people come when they join is how fluid and open it feels between senior leadership mm. and the rest of the organization. And that's from CEO all the way yeah. through. We consciously have our leaders out and about, not locked in a tower yeah. or a room mm, yeah. somewhere. Our CEO, Penny, you know, we, we have this recognition awards called CEO awards and we do them at each of our sites and the sites design them so each one is different it's peer-to-peer nomination so it's peer-to-peer recognition which is great and you know she just talks about how the energy that you get from all of those and and let alone all the amazing things that you uncover that our people are doing again is a real another example of the real hobby of our organization mm. and she says I've never worked anywhere where people will say it like it really say it like it is mm. and that's another one of our values open and honest feedback you have real conversations it's not this false so that's leadership so we can't talk to them about it like they will say whatever's on their minds and we will have a <laughs> and sometimes that's difficult to hear sometimes yeah. it's challenging but that's great right that we have businesses need to hear it leaders need leaders to hear it. need to hear it so if we yeah. you know if, if our leaders only kind of saw the glass half full all the time yeah 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 great and we're all fabulous but then the harder messages become even harder to hear because it's, you haven't been honest with people about what's actually report. going Back on so where we started exactly. report yeah. connection trust openness yeah. yeah you need all of that not just in good times but when yeah. things get hard even time. more yeah. so even in bad when yeah. they but if you've got that foundation it makes a hard time a little bit easier a little bit easier and also so that's what makes it authentic. Yes. So uh, we always like to give our listeners a little bit of advice at the mm. very end. So what advice would you give to our listeners to help them create a healthy, happy workplace where they and their colleagues can thrive? The first thing I'd say on a real individual level is take time to figure out who you are. Mm. We're all so busy in life, trying to move from one thing to another, busy trying to get things done that sometimes we forget about who we are, what we need, because that's really important to then uncover your happiness at work. Yes, Mm. I I would agree. It's really important for you to be centered and know that. So that would be my first sort of do your soul searching a little Mm -hmm. bit. And, And, you know, again, that will go through waves and everyone will have a different time that they can and need to do that. But that would be the first thing I'd do. And then you should make sure that you're in an environment where you can be open. Mm hmm because not everything's perfect. And if you're not in an environment where you feel you can be open and feel that you have trust, then you can't resolve conflict. Yeah. yeah. And that can be detriment, not just to happiness, but well-being and mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. really important. And then the third thing I would say is look for the joy in what you do. I tell, oh, I yes. tell people all the time, like, <laughs> Work is hard. I mean, the very yeah. definition of what work is, it's, it's, it's hard, right? And if you don't enjoy it... Mm, what's the bloody point? What is the point? <laughs> like, you have to have some fun. Yeah. I'm all about fun. In my team, we have loads of fun. We have real moments of, ah, we've got so much to do. But the fun gets us through yeah. that. Yeah. And, and knowing that if someone's having a bad day, they can vent and they'll be listened to. Um, we'll support each other mm-hmm. and then we're going to celebrate like hell when we deliver yeah. mm-hmm. find your own mechanism of doing that and again everyone's got their own way of doing mm-hmm. that but I think that's really important and I say to all my mentees or anyone that wants to listen if you don't have that or you are move yeah yeah fight with yeah. your feet yeah Couldn't life's too short yeah it sure is life's too short yeah there you go 
Great, thank you so much. I think that's a nice note to end on. I think so. Find your happiness. Oh, it's It's been fab. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Great. So we hope you enjoyed that episode with Jennifer. We sure did enjoy talking to her. She was very easy to chat to, wasn't she? I felt like we could have gone on for days, especially when we started talking about all of our hobby horses. So yeah, I think the the temperature in the room went up. Definitely. We should have to bring her back for another another topic. Well, yeah, we might. Hobby horse topic. Yeah, I feel like we could do a whole episode just of people talking about the hobby horses. I think that'd be quite entertaining. That could be series, season two. Yeah, we'll put it on the list. Let us know what you think, listeners. Absolutely. And do let us know what you think of the podcast. Please do leave a rating or a review. We genuinely, we're not just asking for, this is brilliant reviews. We genuinely want to improve what we're doing to bring you useful, entertaining content. And on the content topic, of course, you can get in touch with us and send us in your listener questions so that we can answer them in our advice episodes. Exactly. So I am Joe Hooper on LinkedIn or Mad and Sad Club on Instagram, where I am a lot of the time. And I'm Joanna Hall on LinkedIn, and that's my main platform. But I'm also on Twitter and Insta, and I'm a fire underscore Joe on those platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll tune in next Thursday for another episode of A Place to Thrive. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>